Welcome to Book Talk, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by App Judo for your app software needs, Bullet Pad for building lists on your iPad, and also supported by donations from our listeners, folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersum, and today's book is Creating Affluence, the A to Z Steps to a Richer Life by Deepak Chopra, 1993. Well, from the flyleaf... What I liked about this book, Kira, is it's called Affluence, Unboundedness, and Abundance are our natural state. We just need to restore the memory of what we already know. Kind of gives us hope. Right. <laughs> well, we are connected to this huge reservoir of energy that is boundless. And I think that's the part that we miss, is that it really is our natural state. This really is who we are. Creating affluence, the A to Z steps to a richer life, has so many elements in it. Uh, First of all, of course, there's A to Z steps. But what you also happily discover is this is really like two books in one, because when you get through the A to Z steps, you discover that Deepak has actually enumerated 25 different qualities of what the inner creator is, or Brahman, as they call it from the Veda, the ancient Indian text. So we'll get to that as we get down through our podcast, and we'll introduce you to what I call the bonus book. But we are going to discuss several of these A to Z steps We're not going to discuss them all because we'd be here all afternoon, (laughs) but we're hoping that it will help to encourage you to get the book and use it, you know, as like a a spiritual affluence guide, if you will. Right. Now, in the foreword of the book, Richard Carlson, who is the author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and of course, he's translated onto another existence now, but I always loved that book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. That's another one of our favorites. He wrote the foreword to this book, and he says that wealth consciousness is so much more than having the ability to make money. And it's really a mindset that involves seeing life not as a struggle, but as a magical adventure where our needs are met with grace and ease. Wow, can you imagine that? (laughs) And he said it includes the ability to see beauty wherever you go, to have gratitude as your primary emotion, and an open heart to all you meet. So wealth consciousness is really a state of mind, and it's really a sense, not of just believing, but of really knowing that what we need is always available to us. And I think Richard Carlson has captured the essence of this book. I think it's one of the best forewords that I have read, because he really does get it, what Deepak is trying to have all of us get. Deepak, being a scientist, in addition to a medical doctor, has quite an interesting description of the quantum physics behind the inner force or the field of all potentiality or God or whatever name that you yourself might want to call that. And the interesting part of it is, and as Richard Carlson said, to have an open heart to all you meet to have gratitude as your primary emotion. Wow, these are just such amazing tools. And they turn on the force. It's like a switch. If you can live your life in that band, you're like walking and working and living with the on switch always flipped on. 
you know, <laughs> with the force. So Deepak talks about the force and he says the raw material is actually no material. He calls it non-material. He says the essential stuff of the universe is non-stuff. So this is going to make your mind spin, you know, if you actually mm-hmm. just sit right down and try to grasp it with your conscious or outer mind, or e- especially with your ego mind, it's going to refuse because there's just too much here that folds in upon itself. But it kind of goes right back to the idea of physics now, that we know that atoms are constructed out of non-stuff, and we know that everything is composed of atoms. So everything that is physical is not physical. Now, he further defines the non-stuff as information and energy. And this is where we make the jump to the force being not only alive, but being the old three O's, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. Again, the force or God being all knowledge. So he says that the material creation is the non-stuff is actually structured out of information and energy. And there again is a leap for the ego mind (laughs) to make. (laughs) Well, also, he further says that the only difference between our thoughts that are inside our head and those that are outside of our head is that we do experience our thoughts inside of our head linguistically, so in words. But before these thoughts become verbal and we begin to experience them as language, they really are just an intention. So, once again, it's an impulse of energy and information. And he does define a thought as that. He actually defines a thought as an impulse of energy and information. So, before there was anything, then the Creator began to have thoughts, and the thoughts began to form into material, into things, and, of course, into worlds, and into moons, and creatures. Right. This energy and this information that's created from our experiences are kind of reflected in our attitudes toward life. So it's really our attitudes that are an outcome of an expression of our own thoughts. Everything that we think is what determines our attitude. We like to think that things are happening to us, but at the actual where the rubber meets the road at the primordial level, we are actually making the things happen that are happening to us. When you're sitting in blues and you're saying, woe with me and why are all these terrible things happening to me? Just kind of get yourself up, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror and go, why are you making these things happen to me? Because you (laughs) are the culprit. It it reminds me of the old joke in uh, the Pogo comic strip. And of course, A lot of younger people are going to have to figure out what the Pogo comic strip was, but it was in the Sunday Funnies. And at one point, Pogo says, I have met the enemy and he or us. (laughs) I am him. (laughs) Something paraphrasing. But yeah, it was funny that we are the source of our own discomfort. At the same time, things are really going great. Then go to the mirror and look in the mirror or look into your rearview mirror in your brand new shiny car and go, man, thank you. You are making these things happen to me. (laughs) We are creating our own existence. We're kind of the co-creator 
But what we fail to realize a lot of times is that we really are the expression of this magnificent power in the universe. We are that expression in the here and now. And it's really our own desires and our own attitudes and our own thoughts that are determining what's happening. So, yes, we are the co-creator. So we the buck stops here. <laughs> so, Kira, what are some of these awarenesses that we need to look towards as defined by Deepak Chopra? Well, he actually lists an A through Z of things that we can become aware of to begin to change our life and make it the affluent, unbounded, and abundant one that we know is our natural state of being. The first one, he says that A stands for all possibilities and for absolute authority, affluence, and abundance. So that's a mouthful, (laughs) but that's what A stands for. So we are unlimited in the power that we have access to. In the case that came across a little bit too quickly, Kira was not saying absolute authority. She was saying absolute, comma, and authority. <laughs> right. Because he's not interested in some totalitarian government. You know, here putting his big thumb on us. Absolute is the totalness or the allness of the gap or of the internal beingness. The other thing that's very interesting as we go along to list some of these agencies, again, we're not going to list them all, but as we list some of them, bear in mind, and these are from Deepak Chopra's words, the knowledge structures its own self within your own consciousness. So knowledge by itself has its own organizing and structuring power. So he said, don't fret about trying to memorize these only try to make them aware to your conscious and subconscious. Again, the conscious mind, the ego, will very quickly become bored, which is kind of what you want anyways. And the subconscious will put them into its databanks, and then it will begin to correlate them, organize them, and build a structure for them so that at different points in the future where you need them, they will start coming forward or, as he would say, bubbling up from your subconscious to be ready for you to use at a moment's notice. So he's suggesting that you do pay attention to these, perhaps even on a daily basis, but you don't try to do the old third, fourth, fifth grade memorizing trick. Right. So once again, we already know all of this. We already have this knowledge inside of us. But what's happened as... We have been sort of reconditioned that we came into this lifetime and we had all of this conditioning going on and we've sort of untrained ourselves out of the abundance that we originally had. And so Deepak is attempting here to give us the knowledge all over again in a way that we can begin to influence our conscious thinking. Once it is conscious, it becomes unconscious again. And we just spend some time repeating these things and becoming well-grounded in them again. It's part of that negative pre-programming, even could say poverty programming that happened when you were little. And the people that actually fed you these basically lies were hoping to do a service to you. But in effect, they did a disservice. Your money doesn't grow on trees. You got to work hard for everything you get. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not an easy life. Life is hard. Life is not fair. You know, all of these little, we might even call them urban myths. (laughs) (laughs) But 
they're a total disservice. And by incorporating these items in this little book, you will actually be displacing many of those old thoughts. And that's a really positive thing. Now, we're going to skip right to D, and I love D. <laughs> this is one of your favorites. D so. stands for the law of demand and supply. Whatever service that we are here to give, there is a demand for it. So why do I love this so much? So one of the first things that happens whenever you try something new, and especially if you want to share it with other people, you ask yourself or your little ego mind says, well, no one will ever listen to it. No one will buy it. No one will be interested. No one will read what I write. No one, this happens to writers all the time. Even when Kira and I started this podcast, it was, well, no one's going to listen. We were actually having dinner last night with a friend and explaining uh, what the podcast was. And Kira pulled out her iPhone and actually downloaded one from iTunes and let her listen to part of it. Because it was a 40-minute podcast and we didn't want to take up the whole dinner. But she got done with it. And I said, so there, see, people are listening to it. And people would listen to you if you decide to want to do something of your own. Whether you write on the internet, make a blog you know, make a podcast, do something of your own. And still, I could see this blank look in her eyes. And so I pulled out my phone and I dialed up one of the population counters that is readily available. And it's been so fast for the world population that you can't even count it. It, It's more than one per second. She says, well, what about all the people that are dying? I said, well, they're counted as well. And they're still spinning at this rate, adding new souls Mm -hmm. to this world. And it was at 7,167,000,000. So it'll be 7,200,000,000 fairly shortly, you know, in another three, four, five months, something like that. (laughs) So out of that many people, there's got to be somebody out there who wants to listen to you. Their vibrations will correlate with your vibrations. So it's a very, very powerful step. Well, he calls them steps. So the D step is, I think, very powerful because... It's whatever you want to do as you're listening to this podcast. He suggests two questions that you ask. How may I serve and how may I help? And as you answer these questions from within and as you find these answers, you will then begin to understand where the demand for your service lies. It's just really cool. The demand for your service will become your dharma. Your dharma from the ancient Veda is your purpose in life. And as you develop your purpose, you not only develop your means of helping others, but also receiving for yourself and also entering in probably the happiest time in your whole life. Because your output will be love. Exactly. (laughs) It'll be what you love. Yeah, and that really is how we connect to that gap most appropriately is to Find within our own center that which brings us bliss and joy. And that really is a connection to that inner energy. And every one of us has it. Everyone has that connection because that energy exists for each of us. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. 
Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. Bullet Pad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for Bullet Pad. Next, we're going to skip over again to the letter G. And G stands for Gratitude, Generosity, God, Gap, and Goal. So gratitude and generosity are actually the natural attributes of an affluent consciousness because when you have plenty, you're grateful for it and you can generously give back. And this keeps the flow of energy going. God is not a static thing. It is a movement. (laughs) And it is a movement that is always moving for us. So we make our inner request and that request shows up. So those people that are hanging on so tightly to their cash and whether they consider themselves poor and having very few resources or whether they are extremely wealthy, they still have a poor consciousness. So money has to flow and goods have to flow. And generosity means giving of yourself. And it might be as simple as a compliment that you give. In this book, Deepak actually gives us this mechanism with actual steps for how this process works. I love the way he thinks. He just he just maps it all out for you so that you can really get what he's saying. You know, he talks about the gap, and the gap is really that area that Bill was talking about earlier, that area where there is no thing. <laughs> it is not a thing. It is the field of pure potentiality, which has a silent power, and this power is just waiting to be influenced by your desires. So you slip into this gap between your thoughts. It's it's a window or a vortex of energy, and we all have it. And then the personal psyche communicates with it, and it reads that communication and acts upon it. it begins acting out of this infinite intelligence, and it correlates everything, and it figures out how to make it all happen, much better than you or I could ever figure out on our own. So we are connected to it, and we do have access to this information, but we don't have to be thinking about it consciously. It's a very unconscious thing, sort of like the way we run all the cells and molecules within our body and keep our body functioning. It's a very unconscious kind of knowledge, but we all have it. And what Deepak is attempting to do here is get us to see that we have it. The best way to correlate step one or or to activate step one, I guess a better way to say it, is through meditation. That's the most direct. Now, you also can do it if you pre-program yourself to think of the goals or desires as you just wake up. There's this magical moment as you're waking up But it's very tricky to remember (laughs) when you're waking up that you've got to interact and insert these goals. Because that's what step two is. Sensing that you're in the gap to leave a clear intention of a very clear goal. So we said clear and clear, doubled it up here. But the most important thing is that the goal is not fuzzy. That you have trimmed it down and you're asking for a very concise thing that you want, this goal. Right. And many people actually go so far as to write it down, because that really makes it tangible in your own mind. 
Now, to repeat it off of a written piece of paper while you're in meditation is going to take you out of the gap. Exactly. <laughs> so you kind of have to, there's an, an area where you're going to have to kind of know what that goal is. And it's actually even better if you can let it free in a nonverbal way, which is also kind of tricky because most of us, you know, are very used to thinking about it and letting our linguistic conversation run in our mind. So we memorize it and then we get into meditation and we want to just say it, you know, even sometimes out loud, (laughs) which also tends to take you out of the gap. It's sort of like when you're daydreaming and you're in that state of bliss because you're actually in the emotion of the desire fulfilled. You're actually experiencing it as though it is already. And that's the state you want to be in when you're making that request. That's a very good example, too, because daydreaming would actually be a third way. It definitely would. Step three is to relinquish your attachment to the outcome. So kind of releasing it. And the releasing of it entails that it's free to work within the gap. And hanging on to it means that you yourself are leaving the gap. You know, you're no longer there when you when you hang on to it. So that's where the knowingness comes in. We have heard other people talk about this process. And at that point, they mostly say, we know, we accept, we believe that it's just happened, that it has existed and it will exist and it does exist and that it is coming my way. Yeah. Some people call that the as if principle. The as if, yeah. And the goal is now in the gap. The gap is organizing and orchestrating all the details for you, and it's going to affect the outcome for you to the degree that you believe it. So step four, the final step, is to let the universe handle all these details. Don't take the goal back, because then you're interrupting the process, and you're delaying the process, and you're definitely no longer in the gap. And as a matter of fact, you're actually trying to pull your goal back out of the gap. It's almost like, oh, gee, I need to spruce it up a little bit and shine it up a little bit Mm. and shine its shoes. No, leave it alone and let the universe handle all these details. Right. And as you begin to see these things occur, you know that it works. So what's next step, Bill? Well, we're skipping again. And this time we're skipping to H, because we both like H. (laughs) H stands for happiness and humanity. And the fact that we are here to make all humans that we come into contact with happy. Oh my gosh, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this podcast. I hope you're getting that as you listen to this, because it's really true. Here is all about giving happiness to the world and spreading love and happiness within the world. And this has been her dream for good 10 years now, if not counting her whole life. So this book and and this A to Z step certainly plays right down to her strengths. Right. I actually think that life really does evolve. And Deepak wrote this in his book, and I was just ecstatic when I saw it. Life naturally evolves in the direction of happiness. And happiness is the ultimate goal. This really is our natural state of being. I really believe this. And when we can help others to see that magic within themselves, to get in touch with that, ah, nothing makes me feel more fulfilled than that. (laughs) Deepak says that happiness is not only the ultimate goal, but it is actually the goal of all your other goals. And he says the mistake that we make is not going for happiness first. 
Right. And how many times have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, I'm going to get a good job and I'm going to make a lot of money and then I'm going to be happy. Oh, no, you can't be an artist. You can't You can't possibly. Or I'm going to get a card, I'm going to get a new suit, and then I'm going to be happy. And I'll wear it out where people can see me and they'll love me and they'll give me all the compliments and then mm. I'll be happy. And he would say, seek the happiness first and then everything else will flow. Yes. And it really is just a state of mind. You don't have to do anything to be happy other than choose to be happy. M is a really cool one because it stands for making money. That's a cool thing. But he says M stands for making money for others and helping others make money. Because when you help others make money and you help other people fulfill their desires, it is a sure way to ensure that you will make money for yourself as well as more easily fulfill your dharma, which again we said is your purpose. Your dreams. We remember years ago hearing a sales talk from, he's called the ultimate salesperson, Zig Ziglar. And that was his mantra. If you help enough other people get what they want, you can have anything that you want. Wow. (laughs) And I actually think that some people who are in the profession of selling actually develop the ability to read other people. And they know who is a likely candidate for their product. They're not pushing. They're actually fulfilling that wish because they begin to develop that psychic ability. We're going to skip again from money with the M over to the P, which stands for purpose in life. And it also stands for pure potentiality. And Bill has said before that we're here to fulfill our dharma or to find and fulfill our purpose And I believe this is really true. We are here with a purpose. And once we know what that purpose is, that's where the happiness comes in. When you are living your purpose and you begin to have the knowledge that your purpose leads you to and all of the insights that you have about your purpose and your potential for fulfilling that in life, this is where you begin to find your bliss or your happiness. And Deepak points out that it's really important to know what that purpose is. So we need to spend time figuring out what it is that does make us happy. And, you know, we have been conditioned not to do that. We've been conditioned to do what we have to do, to make a buck and to get through life successfully, whatever that's supposed to mean. But success really is being happy. You know, you can have all the money in the world. If you're not happy, what good is it? It's interesting because so many of us take on the mantle of other people's suggestions and other people's wishes. It might be mom, might be dad, become a doctor, become a lawyer. One of the most interesting examples of that, I think, was within the movie The Graduate. And of course, that was quite a few years ago. But upon graduating college, Dustin Hoffman was at the graduation party at his house at their swimming pool. And different people would come up to him and say, go into plastics. Oh, go do this or go do that. No one was really saying to him. Benjamin, what is it you want to do? You know? <laughs> yeah, gee, what do you think is going to really make you light up in life? That's the thing you should go for. <laughs> but that's your job one, actually. And you can start that very, very young. And as a matter of fact, if you have children or nieces or nephews, you could begin to start that with them and begin to not so much, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? But what makes them happy? You know, help them see the kinds of things that, When they do those things, all time stops. They're in this zone. Mm -hmm. They could be doing it for three or four or five hours and not even know that minutes have flown by. What is it that they love to do within that? 
And then how can that be translated into serving other people? Not how can it be translated into let's make a really great life and make a lot of money. That's another misuse or twist of all that desire and excitement and love. Not that you shouldn't have a lot of money and you know make the kind of life for yourself that you want. But yeah, your fulfillment is probably not going to be met in doing that. It's going to be what you can do with your life that will serve others, but also bring you great joy. See, the money will flow. And I guess this is what we're trying to say, is that obviously we're not anti-money. We're wanting to have the best for our own selves and the best for our own life. But there is the direction or the intention or the flow that you put and it twists things out of shape. What do I mean by that? So if you are helping someone, if you're helping yourself, find the things that you really truly love and then you get to step two, which is translating that into helping other people, into finding ways to offer those services, to create services even perhaps. And if one of your services happens to be that you like to talk as we're doing here on the podcast and others is you like to do research and others is that you like the precision and the crispness of the law perhaps. So it might be a natural flow for someone to come along and say, well, then we want to figure out how you can go to college and study law And then what's the next thing you do is you start looking at, well, what specialties pay the best? That's the point that I'm saying that you go off track. If you continue to flow to the areas that make you feel the best and that make you alive inside and make you a servant to the world, unlike any other, because no one else can be you and can have what you uniquely have, then the world will, in fact, like the person who builds a better mousetrap, beat a path to your door. Yeah, it's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's beautiful. So the next letter is Q, and that stands for question. And Deepak says, question dogma, question ideology, question outside authority. Boy, does that fit you, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) That's been uh, my Don Quixote tilting at windmills my whole life. So he said that it is only by questioning what people take for granted, what people hold to be true, that we can break through the hypnosis of social conditioning. And it really is a hypnosis. It is. And this goes back to what I talked about earlier about all of the negative programming and well-intentioned but box of lies <laughs> that you were fed. <laughs> Things about people that are not true. Things about ethnicities that are not true. Things about different races that are not true. That people fed you. That you took in and now it's time to give them up. So many things in our present culture. Are we harming the earth? Are we not harming the earth? And people are taking these really hard stances. And half the time, it has nothing to do with the science. Half the time, it has to do with their attachment to who's giving the message. Well, I don't like you because you've got long hair. And I don't like you because you're too young. Or I don't like you because you're too young and you got long hair. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so therefore your message is false or you're, I don't need to listen to your message. I mean, my goodness sakes. It's just silly, some of the things that we cling to. And so Deepak is saying, with his big letter Q, 
to stop hanging on to some of those strange thoughts that you grew up with. Well, at the very least, to begin questioning everything. And really, question everything. Because even a guru who who speaks what we may be um, told is the truth will tell you, you know, question what I'm telling you. Because you need to know for yourself what truth is. It doesn't come from outside of you. It comes from inside of your heart. I remember reading about some of the science predictions from late 1800s, early 1900s, and there was a a well-established scientist that very emphatically stated that a person could never travel in an automobile over 30 miles an hour because as soon as a car hit 50 to 60 miles an hour, you know, if they were standing up in the car, if there was like no top, most of the cars back then were convertibles that didn't have hard tops and so forth. But if they were riding or standing in this car, the wind would be sucked out of their lungs and they would asphyxiate, you know. So tell that to our race car drivers who are just this weekend breaking 230-something miles an hour at the uh, Indianapolis Speedway trials. You have to look at all information in its face, and you have to begin to assess what some of these very carefully crafted and cherished thoughts are and see what they actually mean today. And those thoughts may be somebody else's truth, and that's fine for them, but you need to find your own truth. So R stands for the fact that receiving, I love this one, receiving is as necessary as giving. Now, if you're a giver like me, it might take you a long time to figure that out. (laughs) But to be able to graciously receive is, I think, a gift in and of itself because it allows the giver to give and and allows that giver the joy of being able to give to you. And if you can't accept the gift, then you're depriving them of that joy. So if you're a giver and you can't receive, there's a good way to look at it. Just you're receiving the gift as a way of giving. (laughs) And Deepak actually says that those who are unable to receive are actually incapable of giving. That's pretty heavy. Well, when you think about it, what do you have to give if you've never received anything? There's not anything to give. I always had a hard time with this one. Because when I was growing up, I was always taught to give and to help other people and to be there and to be counted on. But we also, in our family, weren't big on taking or receiving you know that wasn't a big thing, and it was certainly frowned upon. Oh, and yeah, for I us remember when to more too much. <laughs> I remember once actually we bought a gift for your mother, and I believe it was a Christmas gift. And she didn't like the fact that we had spent this money, and she actually returned the money. She put it in our mailbox, in a little <laughs> envelope. She took the gift back. And this was, you know, this is the extent that Bill's talking about. She was, actually- which is a judgment in itself, sure. You know, like you young people can't afford to do this, and so I'm going to take it upon myself to make sure that your money's returned to you, you know, and all it does is it's hurtful. And she so meant to do something good. I mean, she was trying so hard to make sure that we didn't spend money on her and that we kept everything that we had earned for ourselves. She was trying to be generous. But yes, actually, the message, what message were we getting? The message was... You really need every penny you have, and, you know, you're poor and you're pathetic. And, you know, I mean, this is what I felt like when I got that envelope in the the mail. I'm sure this is not what she intended. 
So, But unfortunately, those were some of the messages, some of the screwed up messages that I was taught and that I added into you know my consciousness. And so my whole working life, I love to give. My son and I were in the Boy Scouts and we gave and gave and gave. And I was in many other organizations and gave and gave and gave. But I never stopped to let anyone give back to me. And I had plenty of money from my working years. And, you know, I just, I didn't need it. Oh, no, I never need it. Oh, I don't need it. And as I got into the last part of my career and I got a little bit older, all of a sudden I discovered, you know, I could use some help from other people and I could let people give to me. And it was really strange. It was so different. It was so hard at first. And after it started to happen, I thought, wow, this is way different. But this is really kind of nice and it's kind of cool. And I appreciate being appreciated. And I appreciate people who can just out of love decide to do something nice for me or buy me dinner or you know, some simple things and some not-so-simple things, some very important and powerful things. And all of a sudden, I thought, wow, this is what that side means. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not a material thing that you're getting or giving, for that matter. It could be some advice that you need to hear, or it could be some information that you need for some reason. It could be just an attitude or a smile or a welcoming friendship. You know, there's so many ways that we can give. We don't have to give material things necessarily. So V stands for values. Here again is a real important thing in my life. The values that Deepak enumerates under this step are truth, integrity, honesty, love, faith, devotion, and beauty. Now, many of you listening will go, well, what about my, my favorite one he didn't mention? Or, gee whiz, uh, there's another one that I really like. And that is absolutely true. There's so many wonderful values. I know they're teaching Values Week at our grandchildren's grade school. And I'm so excited to see these kind of things talked about and taught. Without values, there's confusion and chaos. So I think that it helps put you in your right stead. It's the kind of thing that people say of integrity. Do you do the right thing when no one is looking? That's what true values mean to me. And and I don't mean stopping at a traffic light at two o'clock in the morning when no one is there and there's no police <laughs> around. I mean, you have to use discretion in everything that you do. But if something has been misplaced, do you pick it up and take it to the office or take it to somewhere where a person could find their lost goods? Or do you say, oh boy, finders, keepers, losers, weepers? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I think a lot of the uh, values that he did lay out here are things that we absolutely need in order to function as a group in a society. You know, we have to be able to be truthful with each other. You know, you have to have truth before you can have trust. If someone doesn't tell you the truth, you're not going to trust them. <laughs> So this is what we're talking about when we say truth and integrity and honesty. But in order to function as a society, if we don't have those things, then we don't know if we have that bond with another. And so these are kind of some of the things that I think are the more godlike values. Devotion, beauty, love, the highest value of all. So, 
It's an amazing step. This is really one of, again, one of our most favorite steps. But this book is like that all the way through. It's another reason to get yourself a copy of this book and have it as a reference. In fact, Kira has read these steps from A to Z, and I've converted it into an MP3, and we have put it onto a CD so that we can listen to it at night before we go to bed. And you know, interestingly enough, when we were at dinner last night, the young lady you were speaking with about our podcast and encouraging her. And one of the things that she said is that she had read this book herself and that she had put it on a cassette tape actually years ago and listened to it. And I had to laugh because this is really the kind of book that this is. It's like you just want to have all of this information really embedded in your mind so that you just have ready access to it at any moment. And I do think it becomes that way. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by App Judo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App Judo can help make your project a success. Visit App Judo today at www.appjudo.com. We haven't covered all of them, but Y and Z stand for youthful vigor and zest for life. Very important. And they kind of go together, don't you think? They do. Youthful vigor and (laughs) zest for life. Absolutely. Now, the second part of the book, as Bill mentioned, there are two different parts to this book. And the second one has to do with wealth consciousness in the field of all possibilities. It's really the definitions of what this force is and how we can access it. So we begin to think of it in a certain way. This is what I call the bonus book. I said earlier, and I feel that the steps from A to Z are really a complete enough treatment that makes a totally complete book. But Deepak, bless his heart, decided to give us the definitions of the field of all potentiality. Having asked a group of scientists and engineers and quantum physicists to give their descriptions of what is the force or what is the God power or what is the field of all potentiality, and out of all of their responses came 25 qualities of this force. Now, it just so happened that these same 25 qualities are what is described in the Veda as the qualities of the Brahman, which is the god or the highest creature. So what we're going to do is just very quickly read them. Again, it's not something that you need to totally memorize, sit down and, you know, like you're having a spelling test or something and memorize the words and definitions. But one of the ways that we came up with as being a fun way to interact with them on a daily basis, and again, hopefully you're incorporating meditation into your daily experience. So if you were to write out the various qualities, 1 to 25, and you write the definition all on the same piece of paper, a little small piece of paper that you could fold up 
three or four times so that you can't see it per se. Put it into an empty jar. Plastic jar works the best for us. I don't know, peanut butter jar, but put it into an empty jar. And then every day, take one out, open it up, and use it at your meditation time. So you can read it if you want. You can read it out loud. You can read it out loud and silently. And then you meditate on it. What happens is that within your meditation and just within the awareness, you will begin to let this sink into your subconscious mind. The information, the knowledge is self-organizing. It's self-correlating so that you will be able to have access to it whenever you need it. It's just the magic. And trust that the universe will give you the exact right one every day that you need. It won't come in order. It will never be in order 1 to 25. But you will pull out the exact right one that you need to study for that day. It's so cool. Then keep those in a separate location. And when you're done pulling out one every single day, pretty soon you get down to the last one. And then you can start over again, put them all back in the jar and start over again. For several months, you will enjoy it very much. So we're going to go ahead and just alternate, read these out. Okay. The first, I guess you would call it quality of the unified field is total potential of natural law. Number two is infinite organizing power. Number three is fully awake within itself. Number four is infinite correlation. Number five, perfect orderliness. Number six, infinite dynamism. Number seven, infinite creativity. Number eight, pure knowledge. Number nine, unboundedness. Number ten, perfect balance. Number eleven, self-sufficiency. Number twelve, all possibilities. Number thirteen, infinite silence. Number fourteen, harmonizing. Number fifteen, evolutionary. Number 16, self-referral. Number 17, invincibility. Number 18, immortality. Number 19, unmanifest. Number 20, nourishing. 21, integrating. Number 22, simplicity. 23, purifying. Number 24, Freedom. 25. Bliss. Yeah, and isn't it amazing we end up on bliss? That's pretty cool. Like Joseph Campbell. You don't know how hard that was for me not to comment on some of those. <laughs> that I was reading. I just, there's, some of them are so powerful and so neat. I almost had to bite my tongue to stop from wanting to just go right ahead and start commenting on them. But enjoy them. Get the book. Get the definitions as he defines them. And play with them however you want. But I trust that if you do the steps he has suggested, both from the A to Z and the 1 to 25 qualities of the Brahman, that your life will change. It's kind of like the Titanic. When you first throw the wheel and it starts to move the rudder, not a whole lot happens. And if you were watching from above, you would say, hmm, didn't change much. You know, they're still on the same course. <laughs> But very slowly, very slowly, that great big ship starts to move. And had they but thrown the wheel probably 
like two or three minutes earlier, they'd have missed and gone right past that big old iceberg and they'd have made it to New York. So that's how powerful the initial turn is and it will change your life. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, this book is a small book. It's an easy read. You can read this book in one sitting with no trouble. And it is intriguing. Once you start reading it, you just get sort of into the flow of it. It is a beautiful book. We do highly recommend it. And I think this kind of brings us to the end of our podcast today, Bill. Bill and I want to thank you for being with us today. You can subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes Podcasts and look for Book Talk, produced by the Better Living Institute. You can also find us on our website at www.betterlivinginstitute.com, and there you'll find all of our podcasts, our articles, and products. Also, you can purchase the book that we've discussed today from a link right on our site. We do benefit a little financially, so we thank you ahead of time if you purchase your book that way. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, we do hope that you'll share it with your friends and family. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kieran Bill Van Ittersum. So long for now, everyone. So long. <laughs>